Jose, my man, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Oh, brother. Yo, thank you for having me, dude. 100%. So, look, I want to get this started and ask you, how does a guy look as fresh as you all the time? What's the uh, secret? Sheesh, it becomes second nature, bro. Oh, shut up. This guy, you wake <laughs> up like this? <laughs> no, I mean, yo, like, it's funny because it was like my hobby. Actually, already is what I turned into a business, right? So, it, so it really your hobby was to look good. Not it was I wouldn't call it my hobby, but <laughs> my parents always ingrained in us that because we were we were low class, but they were always ingrained in us that it didn't matter how much money you had, you always had to look presentable. So believe it or not, even in middle school, I would wear button downs where my friends were wearing basketball shorts and a t-shirt. So that got like solidified in me, always trying to look better because I knew it sent a message, right? Now it's just like if all your clothing is like basics and stuff that looks good, it, it becomes second nature. You just like throw it on and already, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, like, to you, does really wearing a shirt versus a button-up make that ton of a difference? Yes. It does. Okay. It it, does explain to me how you view it. It, it does in two aspects. On both the sender and receiver, right? Have you ever thrown on – have you ever put on a suit yourself? Like a tailored yeah. suit? Yeah, yeah, I've put on a suit, yeah. Let me give you an example. Um, about two months ago, I went to um, – for my first time, I got my first ever Tom Ford. I wanted to go through the experience. And it's like never before. And I, I'm, I'm a guy that's used to wearing suits. And this suit fits so well. Like it's, like, it's like a coat of arms. You throw that thing on, I'm the man. Like I'm the boss right now, right? Hmm. That's what hmm. you feel, right? Which helps you uh, magnify that out in the world, whether you want to be confident in a business meeting or to your employees or to the girl you're talking to. It matters what you feel. But it's also what the receiver sees, right? So there was a study done by prison psychologists. And what they found is that people make judgments of you in a hundred milliseconds, not even a mm. second, a hundred milliseconds. And what they further found was that any further exposure to you didn't change their initial judgment, right? Mm. So let's say you and I both go into an investor's meeting or we're trying to ask for money or go talk to a girl. If I'm dressed really well and you pulled up like a bum, right? Chances are you could be smoother, right? But that girl's initial barriers or that investor's initial barriers, their prejudices, all that's going to be lowered for the guy that looks more presentable. You know what I mean? It makes your life easier. That's why it matters to me. You know, I, I can see that, you know, I, I'm, I love that we're talking about this because I've been through phases in my life. Like, you know, I look, I'm always cleaned up. I'm always looking as, as, as much as I can. Um, however, clothes, I don't know. I feel like, and maybe just because right now I'm in such a hustle mode, like, like when I get into that zone where I go under a rock and I hustle, 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 I start to wear like literally look, I'm wearing like Adidas sweatpants and Yeezys on like, like no, no care in the world. (laughs) So they say different strokes for different folks, right? Like for me, that's important. You need to understand, like, you know, your goal, right? Your goal is to hustle and work and build your empire. For you, you work better like that, comfortable, mm-hmm. right? What I've noticed on my end, kind of like what I, what I mentioned, the, the, the two aspects that it helps me in, when you throw on good clothes, like I'll give you a great example. When I first started, I started my, well, my first business started, I started it when I was 17. That's when I incorporated my first company. But when I was actually making money was 20. Um, during that time, I was working from home. I worked from home for about three to four months. And I've showed it in videos before, like my room, which was a pretty small room, was both my inventory, my studio, my bedroom, 
like it was just this cramped up space. And in one corner, I had an office desk, right? That I bought from Walmart for like 40 bucks. Every day I would get up, get dressed and sit there, even though my bed was like right behind me and work. It's like a mentality shift for me, right? And to this day, I have an office in the whole nine. I could come in here with sweats. I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want. But mentally, I'm still in my bed if I'm wearing sweats or I'm, 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 I'm lounging, I'm casual. But if I pull up that day with my tailored slacks, with my Tom Ford suit, I'm aggressive, right? I got calls to do. I'm aggressive. Like I'm, I'm me. Does that make sense? It changes so, your state of mind in a sense. Like it kind of changes yeah. your state of mind. And the reality is that the exterior does affect the interior, you know? So I, I want to ask you, do you, are you one of those guys? I mean, I think you are, but are you one of those guys that believes that clothing can increase someone's performance? That, yeah, that's basically kind of what I was saying right now. I, I yeah. Have, across the board, huh. and you can even prove it. If we, we can even talk about athletic performance, right? Um, there was actually this really interesting TED Talk that you could watch where the question was, are athletes getting better, right? Because consistently you keep seeing these athletes like breaking 100-meter sprint records and all, you know, doing more impressive things. So mm -hmm. are we as a generation becoming or as humans becoming more athletic or better? What he found was that it was the technology that's making us better. The sneakers, the pavement, right? The techniques, the science behind it. Clothing mm -hmm. affects performance, you know? Both mm -hmm. athletic performance, mental performance, and, and, and the grind like we talk about it, right? But like I said, I, I, I've met other people just like you that say, you know, uh, a shirt will make me feel stuffy and claustrophobic, right? Or I'd rather just be in my Adidas tracksuit. So it's like different strokes. If that works for you, go for it. Right? Yeah, you know, you know, it like it, it, it's weird. So my style is like, I don't know how to explain it. But for example, like watches, I have to have a watch on all the time. Because to me, a watch is like, yeah, I saw it. I noticed it. Trust me. To me, it's like, I feel like these little details say, say so much about a person. Like, you know, um, but with that being said, I don't ever really feel fully, and maybe I haven't had the right suit yet, but I yeah. don't really feel fully comfortable like when I'm wearing a suit. It's like, eh, like yeah. you know? And, and to, to, to further explain that, I don't wear suits. I mean, you can see me. I'm not wearing a suit. I'm pretty yeah, casual, yeah. right? Um, sometimes I'll just wear slacks and a t-shirt and, and some sneakers. It just looks nice and tailored. I look like pretty sleek and clean, right? Like I don't wear suits every day. Suits is just like the extreme of clothing of what it can do when it comes to, uh, confidence and, and, and elevating your status and all that stuff but mm -hmm. everything in between helps right you just throwing on some jeans and a button down which is not more any more complicated or uncomfortable casually automatically would make you or position you at a higher status visually right when somebody sees you mm. know what i mean yeah so, i i get i get it yeah yeah yeah, yeah no I, I hear you so dude what kind of brands do you rock like what are you like what, what brands? Uh, well, mine, obviously. Um, that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, my favorite, I, I would say my favorite probably would be uh, suit supplies up there. Um, I like Everlane, um, Minimal. Like it's just a lot of brands. I've, I've been exposed to so many brands. Of That's what I'm I, asking you. Because by I, the way, I haven't heard of any of those brands. I've never heard of those before. Oh, those brands are amazing, bro. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with the world. What about them? Uh, but just there's just so. If I show you my closet, the brands range everything from something that could cost me ten bucks to like ten thousand, right? Like 
there's a good spectrum there as well. Because I, like I told you, I've always believed since I was young, like money didn't define your style or how good you should look, right? You could look good on a broke budget. You could look good with a lot of money. Um, so my, my closet kind of reflects that. Like, it's just a little bit of everything, honestly. If I like it, I'll buy it. If I think it works for me, I'll buy it. You so know? You know, let's, let's talk about the broke aspect. Mm -hmm. Growing up, dude, I loved buying things like trust me i was a guy who enjoys brands i mean I, I actually my parents talk about all the time and they're like yo like you you wear too many brand names but i think once i started my company because it forces you into like this under hole like where you're kind of like strapped and you're 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 strapped on cash you're trying to push in the beginning you know how it is and so i i feel like i i got numb to that, to that part of me because I knew I couldn't afford it. I knew I couldn't go out and get myself what I wanted to get right now and that I had to, you know, wait until I was able to build the company. I became numb and I stopped caring about those things. And I feel like recently now things, are, I mean, now things are picked up and things are doing well, but I, I, I feel like I've lost that side of me that kind of, that because I get moments where I'm like, dude, I want to go shop, but I but I'm like, shoot, I don't know where to go. I haven't really kept up with much. Last time I shopped was like ages ago, man. It's like, um, man, that, that's such a, I could be here an hour talking about that. Cause I've, I've experienced a lot. So I was, like I told you, I was lower class, but my parents gave us everything. Like I give, you know, everything that I owe, I owe it to God. And then my parents, like they, they, they just showed me hard work from the get. Right. But we couldn't have, we didn't, I didn't have name brands. I, I never wore Gucci throughout. I didn't, I never had a pair of J's throughout my whole, you know, even <laughs> like that, that just was out of our budget. Right. I had and once, but uh, what happened was when I started, I started making like serious money, like six figures in, when I was 20, which for a 20 year old, it's like, that's pretty good. A lot of money. Like why, why would a 20 year old need that much money? Right. First thing I do is buy a sports car, buy what? Like I started buying all these stupid things and it was, I was even buying stupid little things that I didn't need, right? But I was just buying, 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 buying. What you realize is that um, it's almost like a, there's a name for this. And I'm trying to, uh, when your returns start to start to the diminishing returns, there's a diminishing return curve that happens when you start buying a lot of things, thinking that that was going to make you happy. Because when you're a kid that was born without being able to buy those things, all you think about is when I'm rich, I'm going to buy everything, right? So what you start realizing really quick is that it doesn't actually bring you happiness. And what ended up happening is that you have to spend more money to get the same amount of happiness that you originally did when you first bought that one thing. I don't know if you remember, like when you were a kid, like if I wanted something that was a hundred bucks, I had to go and pressure wash or clean backyards or cut grass, whatever it is that I had to do, hustle on the side, save up my hundred bucks. And when you bought that one item, it was the surge of dopamine, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It felt, it felt like the right. world was just amazing. I buy a $100 item now, I'll probably not use it. Or it'll, I, I'll forget about you it. You won't even I, think about it. Exactly. I'll buy, sometimes I buy things and I forget that I had bought it. Like they just stay there, right? Like, so what happens is for you to get that same search, now you need a $1,000 item. Now you need a $10,000 item. Like that, it keeps increasing, but the surge is never the same. That dopamine rush that you get is not the same. And that's why a lot of people end up using that quote that money doesn't give you happiness, right? And at the end of the road, you can have everything in the world. And then once you get there, you realize none of this was worth it, right? So I'm, I'm from the perspective of, I love that I, I went through that because I got to experience it firsthand, just like, like you're saying, right? Like now, I like to buy nice things. 
because I think if I work for, 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 for what I have, I want to spend my money. I'm not the type of guy that's like a save everything you have, you know, and those type of people that are like, oh, save 90% of, because I think kind of like Warren Buffett, right? Warren Buffett, this man has like $80 billion. He doesn't spend a dime. And then when he dies, he says he's just going to give it all back. Like yeah, that. Uh, and again, whatever makes you happy. But to me, that's insane. Like I would never work my whole life and not enjoy what I made. Or, or no, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel like, look, dude, as you said, it's kind of like for every person, it's kind of different, you know? And I, I think the way I look at it is, is money may not buy happiness, but it definitely, definitely, definitely provides the ability to be happy. Like money, money gives you comfort. Money gives you freedom. That's what it does. Oh yeah. And it can yield you to become, because a lot of divorces and suicide and depression comes from the, the fact that you can't pay bills, right? When, when you just start seeing your bank account go down, 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 and your bills piling up, it's, it's this pressure you feel like, and I felt it before. So money definitely is, it's needed. Like you need to money to survive. That's the reality of it. Um, yeah it won't intrinsically be able to buy you the happiness that you're seeking. So Jose, you went out and built a pretty successful brand and you know, you're pretty well known actually in your space. Uh, How how was the start for you? Like, I mean, getting into like the industry you're in, like how did you even know how you were going to make money? Where are you going to, what were you doing at 20? I know you said you had a failed business. Explain to us a little bit more about that. All right. So uh, I started, um, I started doing the whole blogging thing as, as, as a side hustle because, again, it, w- it, wasn't, it was never a hustle. It was never a means to make money. This is yeah. when I was starting, um, and I never took it as a business. Started this, I was like 17, because I remember I was in high school at the time when I started my first Instagram account. Um, started it, yada, 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 and all I would do it for was for free clothing. So they would send me free stuff. I'd make a post. I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. Right? Never in a million years did I think this is going to catapult to millions, right? Yeah. So did that, and then I was like, you know what? I want. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I had a car wash business with my brother. I, I would always do things, you know. And the car wash. I, I think I was like ten when we had that. Um, so I knew I wanted a company. So we started a clothing company at the time. This now I'm like eighteen, I think, something like that. And um, it was a clothing. It was a, a suit company, a, a made-to-measure suit company. Spent crap loads of money on it. And again, my parents they didn't have a lot of money, so it would th- everything I funded myself. I was an 18 year old. I maxed out my personal credit cards and the company credit cards to make this thing work. So I think I was in the whole like 15 K or 14, 15 K, something like that, which for an 18 year old low class, this is like, you'll never get out of this hole. You a know? million bucks right there. <laughs> Literally feels like a million bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey daddy, can, can you fix it? I, they didn't even know by the way that I was in this hole. So that, that's what I, going back to what I was saying, I know what the stress feels like. Uh, because it was to the point that I couldn't even go out. Like I couldn't go on a date. I couldn't, I, I just didn't have the means to even pay for a $10 ticket type of thing. Right. Um, so I started that company pretty much failed it. I, I didn't know much about marketing and stuff like that. And I kept investing, investing, investing more so on product development, right? Like I, I really wanted the front end and everything to look good. Didn't invest anything on marketing. And like they say, it doesn't matter how great your product is. If nobody knows about it, nobody's going to buy it. Right. So failed. Uh, kept working on my YouTube channel and whatnot. But again, it was like a, like a side thing. Uh, after a while, it just, you, you start feeling the pressure. I don't know if you've had a failure before, um, especially in the public eye. Cause like I was technically an influencer at this time, but I only had like 10,000 followers. Um, and all your family and friends know what you're doing. 
that type of pressure, like you start to feel it. If, you, if you've ever had a failure, that's a public failure like that. When people ask you like, oh, how's your business going? And uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's like, it's trash and you just got to save face and be like, oh, it's all good. Right. But inside, you know, I'm a failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the worst feeling in the world, honestly. Um, and I remember just, I had the pressure and I was just like, yo, I, like I'm, I'm going to quit. Like this is getting, why can't I just be a regular college kid? Like that, that's what was going through my head. At this time, did you I was, go to college? Yeah, I got a okay. degree in finance. Um, in finance. So, yeah. So okay. I was, as I was going through school, I was still doing this thing. And I was in college at the time. And I was like, man, like, this is stupid, bro. Like, I'm over here stressing my life out, not enjoying my life. Why can't I just be a regular college student, get a regular job, and be co cool with it? And that's why I always, I always uh, credit everything that I have to God, because I feel like, you know, one day I just prayed a lot and it, it almost gave me reassurance. Like do it one more time, like try one more time. Like they always say like one more step, right? And that was a step at this time. Now I'm moving forward like two years into the future. Now I'm like 20, I'm like borderline 19, 20. I'm working at this law firm as a copy, copy boy, like an assistant. And um, at this time, my channel had 40K subs. And I started learning how to sponsor, like getting sponsorships. That was the first business, right? As a media company, like how to, how to negotiate advertisers. Little did they know they were talking to a 19 year old, but I started to learn how to email them. Like I started to learn the whole sales process, right? Like, like cold emailing, following up, following up, being relentless. Like my follow-up uh, game is relentless. Like I was like a machine. My, my reaching out to brands was crazy. At that year, with a 40K subscriber channel, I racked in about $120,000 of sponsorships for the whole year. Wow. That was sponsorships. Not counting at, in total, like total cash, I think I racked in that year, it was like 320K in total revenue. 40,000 subscribers. By the end of the year, I was already at 120, by the way, at the channel. Okay. So it, it That's was- still freaking impressive. It was, and I, bro, I, I have, I still have screenshots of my, my, my tax and uh, screenshots of my account because a lot of people don't believe that. And I saved it. I, I write everything down. I have it all saved. You're my, a smart ass cookie, man. Not a lot of influencers know how to do that. And there you go. That's, yep. that's the thing. Most people don't understand how to monetize their Attention. audience. Here's the reality. Yo, TV companies, they're killing it. Oh, they'll pump you five ads within one TV uh, commercial slot, and then they'll throw t five TV commercial slots within one, uh, one show, right? Podcasts, they're killing it. Radio, they're killing it. Netflix, well, you don't get ads, but you have to pay for the subscription. Hulu, you pay and you get ads. Why aren't YouTubers doing the same thing? So I was one of the first YouTubers that every video that I posted had a brand sponsor for it. So you could do the math. At that time, I was posting seven days a week, so one a day. And every sponsor was paying me anywhere from 500 to a thousand bucks per video, per video. So just started doing the math, right? So that's how the number totals up at the end. And that's another thing with me. I was never, yeah, well, no shit. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a dope way to get yourself to continue creating. It's very motivating. It was a two, it was a double-edged sword. Not only was I filling my pockets, I was fueled to create. I was pumping out content like crazy. That's why I went from like 40 K to 120 by the end of the year. And by next year I was already at a million, right? Um, it was just, it was a machine. I was like, holy crap, this is it. Now, the, on top of the creating and all that being difficult, the emailing was difficult as well, right? Like you got a small channel, but what saved me was 
I, 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 I took a sales tactic to Emily, right? Like I became my own manager almost. Just, bro, I would reach out to 30 companies a day, a day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. my conversion out of that would be maybe two would respond and then maybe one I would be able to lead through the negotiation process. Like I understood this whole thing from trial and error. Um, long story short, where was I? Uh, yeah, but basically most influencers don't understand how to, how to, how to monetize themselves like that. And that's, that was the first company that, that I successfully turned to the six figures. Now, what happened after that was I started growing, expanding, expanding. Um, by year one, I was at 1 million and usually my, my income for my TMF platform reflects my subscriber base. Oddly enough. In other words, like by next year, I was already making over a million dollars. Um, I was charging more already. And that's a key aspect for influencers. If any influencers watching this, a lot of influencers are egotistical. Like they think, oh man, I got a hundred thousand. I'm worth 10 K a post. You're not, you're worth whatever you can sell. You're worth to that brand, however much product you can move. Right. Or however many eyeballs you can get on, 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 on a piece of content. And I understood that. So I always priced myself fairly to brands and I made sure that I converted for them. I would follow up immediately like, yo, how did it go? They'd be like, yo, you did great. Four, five, six X ROI. I'd be like, awesome. Let's sign a 12 year or a 12 video deal for the next year. And I'll lock you in in the same rate. So I started getting to the point that by the end of December, I already had a next like, year's the that happened by year three. I had over 1.52 million signed, agreed for the year. Not counting, at this point, I'm already large and I got brands coming in. Now I got brands. Now when you're over a million, you got brands coming in. Now you're just vetting. You're like, no, no, yes, no. Plus the contracts that I have with brands that I've been working for for three years. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's like a well-oiled machine at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, grew that whatever to, to however many millions now at this point, but, uh, took those funds and started my second company was, which was essentials. Um, essentials is a beast. Essentials is an animal. Like that's, that's my baby. Cause that, that's like the, the company that I was able to redeem myself from the failed clothing company that I did before. Um, we're in year three in essentials right now. It sucks because of what happened. We had a different projection for this year. We're yeah. definitely that projection, right? Cause of all this bull crap that's going on. With COVID and stuff, but um, yo, per launch, we'll do 1.5, 1.7 in a day, one day, million in sales. That's how much traffic we're, we're, we're throwing in. We'll get 600,000 people to hit the site from how much influencer, um, me and because we have a whole team of influencers now. I think last launch we worked with like about 350, 400 influencers to go all out at once. It's just a surge of traffic. Um, I love that thing. Like that's, that's my baby. Um, so that's, that's expanding. We're definitely going to go into the women's aspect. We're going to do like a women's essentials line and go there. Uh, the following year, which is last year, uh, I started Jade Black, also seven figure company. Uh, turned that into seven figures within one year. That one we're launching this next week, actually. Um, that one killing it. I wanted a company that, um, that was affordable, smaller to ship, uh, didn't need a lot of inventory, like a, a lot of inventory space to hold. And then more importantly, I wanted to, to target women. I think just targeting men is too, too, uh, bottlenecked women's where the money's at women spend bread on themselves. So that's where the idea of, of, of sunglasses came in. So we sell sunglasses, 
blue light blocking glasses and this launch we're doing prescription which is about to go out the roof because prescription sells like crazy um <laughs> i became part owner of manscaped i don't know if you know what that company yes, is yes yes so that happened did i sign that this year or last year? i think it was end of last year um great brand i basically i was the I was their first influencer to to ever work with that company. Dude, I think I think I think look, I want everyone to understand this. I don't think you're an influencer, bro. I think you're a born raised entrepreneur. Period. Thank you, Thank That's you. all it is because because an influencer doesn't understand the shit you know. And that the things that the, the puzzle pieces that you're connecting right now, like the things that I'm working on for example for my podcast cuz when I got into the media world, I was thinking of it from an entrepreneurial lens. I'm like, all right, I want to build attention. I want to build a brand, but I need to monetize and figure out because the way like if I don't make money, the machine can't get oiled, period. And I, I've dealt like because of this podcast, man, I deal, I, I, I meet influencers every single day and I'll, I'm sure you, I mean, you know this more than anyone else. They don't know no. what they don't know. And the ego gets in the way because they think they're the shit, they're famous and they all of a sudden deserve some sort of level of accommodation or something i can't tell you how many influencers and when so the funny thing is that now that i own brands i work both sides of the spectrum now so now i'm an influencer right and now i have somebody that that, that manages all that stuff for me but i'm an influencer yeah, yeah. associate brands deals as a media company but on the other <laughs> side i'm a brand that deals with influencers to promote my product right so i'm working both sides of the spectrum so yeah. i understand both sides very well i cannot tell you how ego-filled influencers are. Like, in their heads, these guys are Brad Pitt's. Like in oh, yeah, their yeah. Heads, Facts, I, yeah. I have influencers reaching out to me or that, that, like, my team would reach out to. And, like, usually end of week, we always have meetings with, like, each influencer department team. And they bring to me, like, you know, like, all right, we have these influencers. These, these are the prices. So we kind of know the budget for the week, right? Um, some of them are hilarious, bro. Like, some one guy, like multiple have reached out. These guys are like 10, 20, 50, maybe a hundred K followers. Oh, because I'm an actor now, I'm going to charge you 15 K. They've never been in a film, but they put actor in their bio. Um, oh, I'm a singer. So I'm going to charge you more. Oh, like, I cannot tell you the amount of ego these people have. And that's mm -hmm. the problem. Ego will crush you in any, in any industry. And even to this day, I tell, I tell my team this, I tell myself this every day. I'm still small. Like we still haven't gotten there. And I don't know if I'll, I'll ever feel like I got there yet, but I still feel like this. And I feel like there's so much more to do still. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dude, yeah. I, I'm telling you, like when I first started this business, uh, basically like, no, you're good. Don't worry. Uh, you know, when I first started this business, basically, man, like I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go in life and things like that. Like, you know, most people, and, um, I had a lot of influencer connections. And so I hit up those influencers and I was like, Hey, uh, if I do things for you for free, can you give me a testimony? You know, thought it would be cool. Yeah. They all obviously ran to it because basically what I do is I get people booked on shows on podcasts. Right. Oh. And like with these influencers, like I have pretty good connections. And so I get them booked on like pretty massive shows. Okay. Dude, I got them booked on like, dude, one of the influencers that did an episode got his, his, his video got reposted by Entrepreneur Magazine and got over like 5 million views or something like that. Something crazy, right? I hit him up like a month or two months later. I'm like, hey, yo, uh, do you mind if I, you know, get that testimony from you? 
He's like, yeah, no worries. What do you need? And I tell him what I eat. Never responds to me, bro. Like, doesn't like just just ghosts me. And I not just that. I was looking at his number right now recently, and I feel like he blocked me. And so I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, however, with that being said, I do have, um, look, unfortunately, probably out of maybe the couple hundred influencers that I know, I have maybe like one or two. Maybe I can add you to the list now. I can tell that we're going to get along really well. But, uh, you know, but, but like that one guy, I genuinely like, I call a friend, like a brother, because like he understands the gig. He understands the, he just gets it. There's no ego in the way, man. Like, who do you think you are, man? Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's, 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 uh, it's a weird thing, man. Social media, social media is, I love it, but it's also very intriguing what, what comes out of it. It's, you, it's like a, you gotta know how to, how to talk to people, how to, how to deal with them, depending on their personalities. Like that's what you start learning when you, especially when you're dealing with, and like you said, you deal with a lot of influencers kind of have to like, know sometimes, you know, you got to stroke their ego a little bit and let them think what they want to think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's how egotistical people are. You're not going to change them. You know, a lot of a lot of people, a little bit of a, a little bit of fame gets to their head really quick. Not to mention when we're talking about money, right? A little bit of money is like gonna f people up quick, quick. Yeah. But no, you're right, bro. This industry is filled with a lot, a lot of ego. A lot of people that think that they're more than they are, and that's what I was saying. Like, when it comes to these influencers, these influencers could be making bank. Like, a lot of influencers could be making a lot of money, and they don't because they're in their own way. They think that they're worth more than they are. You know. <laughs> It's, it's, it's an unfortunate reality to the world. I decided to kind of look, unfortunately, influencers are valuable to have in your network. They just are period. Like it's, it's when you have access to that level of attention, you'll never lose, especially if you know how to utilize it. I just don't like dealing with them, man. It's like, Oh my God, here we go again. You know, let me say that there are great guys in the industry. Like I, I know hundred percent. Yeah. You know, some guys are really down to earth and humble and you know, it's, it's but like, it's usually it's usually those guys those guys usually come from um uh business minded type of background is what I've realized. Yeah. Or people very who understand the hustle. Or or just like someone like you who came from like nothing, you know? Yeah. They 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 they, they kind of get it. So it's it's uh it's interesting how that goes. Man, tell us about your your routine. I mean, like you got your beard all lined up, the hair's looking good, everything. Like how much do you spend on yourself, by the way, a month? I'm just curious. Oh man. Um, not to sound, I, I, I honestly don't know the price. I don't if think you were to throw a number, I'm like, I don't think it's a lot. Like the, the only reason why it would be a, like, let me give you an example. Like my haircut's like 75 bucks, something like that, or hundred bucks. Right. But it's cause yeah. like the barber comes to the, I do things to make my life easy. Right. I get it. Yeah. 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 I literally set up, I have a barber shop in my office. So our barber comes in, cuts our hair. So he charges more. Right. But it's not cause. Cause like I went and looked for seventy five bucks is not bad for an in house call. I've seen people uh, who charge like four five hundred dollars. Um, other than that, other than like my beard, I do my like I handle that myself. If I had to, maybe on products, I might spend a good amount. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I use my wife's product. So she's the one that spends the money. <laughs> I already, I love that man. I know it's gotta work, so I just throw it on. So I really can't give you a number. I'm not, I'm not really vain like that. Like I'm. Maybe that's how the, my videos are perceived, um, but I'm not really vain like that. Like I, I, I do the things that I know I need to do to, to make sure, you know, my skin looks good and, and my hair's good and my beard's good and stuff like that. Uh, but it doesn't, I don't think it costs me a lot. I've just never sat down and, and, and thought about it. And when it comes to clothing, um, I don't spend a lot of money. Maybe now because I have 
my own company. Like if I need a t-shirt, I'll just go grab a t-shirt from the warehouse type of thing. You know, like uh, most, a lot, a lot of my closet is, is, is stuff Your that brand. Company, on top of all the brands I have sponsorship deals with so many brands. Like they, I'll give away 20 Goodwill bags like every quarter, like just big black bags. Cause it's just so much. I have two closets full of clothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the cool part about doing what you do. Yeah. Watches and cars. That's where I would say, like, I, I spend money. And it's not all the time. It really, I'm not like that. Usually watches, I'll buy a watch every time I hit, a, like, a, like a, a milestone. A milestone, yeah. Got and it's, like, my marker. Um, and that's about it. And then cars, ever so often, because that's about it. But uh, I don't spend a lot of money, honestly. You into cars? Bro. Bro, I've had so many cars there i lose money i lose money every time I, i've had cars man since i was my first car th listen to this this is this is my first car that i bought i bought a corvette when i was 20 that when i started making money that 1920 age um it was a one out of a hundred brand new it was a brand new stingray hennessy 700 horsepower corvette it was stick shit it was the sexiest thing you could ever I, i'm a i love american damn muscle. bro sexiest i don't know if you know who hennessy is uh, but he's a, he's a professional tuner. People love their car. Their cars are, they, their cars go stupid expensive. Uh, that car sticker was like $120,000. Uh, I bought it not at that price. I bought it cash, uh, private sale. So I got a great deal. I was able to negotiate with them, you know, whatever. Um, that was my first car. I didn't even know how to drive stick, believe it or not. I learned how to drive stick in that monster. I blew that engine three times. Oh my God, Jesus. That must have been an expensive fix. Because I was effing it up. I can't tell you. And then after I, I got wiser, you know, but bro, I've had so many cars, I can't even tell you. What favorite? Uh, what, what's a dream car? I think I've had my dream car. I mean, if I had to say like, oh my God. Um, let me think. Like I've never liked Lambos, believe it or not. I think... I mean, either they're they're. I think they're like a Rolex. They're overhyped. Yeah, and, I, yeah, yeah. I had the option. I was this close to buy one, and I, and I was just gonna buy one just to say I had it in my in my list, and it was a stupid thing. Um, and I was like, you know what? I ended up buying a McLaren. I was just like, I, I don't like. What'd you get? Uh, I had a five seventy. This was like two years. Uh, ago. I'm I'm trying to cop a seven twenty S, man. That's. I looks like. Um, I I was able to uh, cause I was going to buy a seven twenty. And then my wife got pregnant and I was like, I know I'm not going to use them right now. Um, but uh, I actually was able to race them around a professional track with a professional McLaren driver. Get that car. That car is the sexiest. Like the thing is that I, like, I can't use it now. That's the only reason I don't have it. If you can get it, bro. It sounds like a jet engine. I, I kid you not. It sounds like a plane. That was going to be my next car. I didn't get it. But a uh, beautiful car. Um, yeah, I like, you know, I've had Ferrari. Um, I was going to buy a Rolls one time, but I was like, man, I'm like, I ended up buying a Bentley. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see all the cars that I've had. I had a Bentley that was uh, one out of 99 in the world. It was marked by Bentley one out of 99. Uh, sticker price on that car was like 450K. I bought it used, obviously, so it wasn't that, that expensive. Crazy ass car, 800 horsepower. I love cars. I mean, I mean, hold, hold up, hold up. Let's, let's take a step back. Look, 
Jose, I appreciate the fact that you're very, very, very humble. But I just want everyone to know that's listening. The man over here hustled his freaking ass off, right? And deserved what he got. Like, yeah. you're not, you don't seem like the kind of kid or the kind of guy who does it for the views or the fame or anything like that. Like, I could just tell, you know, just, just over, the, over, over this, you know, phone call. But I want everyone that's listening to know, because I feel like a lot of people kind of look at it in a bad way. Like it's kind of looked at, like looked down upon. Like, oh, if you if you buy, what are you doing buying expensive things? I'm like, homie, I want you to go out there and go make a couple million bucks your first month of opening up business, and then go get you, and then we'll talk, right? Because that level of look, a million bucks is not hard to make, but in the beginning, it seems like it's impossible. And there's a, so many things that come in the way that you have to overcome. I'm sure, and I I respect it. That's why when I'm asking you, I'm like, dude, I love to know because things on what you just said first of all for me the my first hundred thousand were actually the hardest uh making that first hundred thousand was the hardest to ever make and was the most gratifying yeah because it, it was like a it was like a like something switched like something broke like i it, it was a weird feeling to explain but when i saw like those six digits in the bank account I'm like man like this is ins- like, I, I'm getting chills right now. Just thinking, I kid, like, bro, because going from poor to seeing a hundred thousand seems like it would never happen and working your ass off to getting to that. It's like, I, I can't even, I can't put it into words, but the, the million after that came, I, I feel like it came and flew by way too quick. Um, as for expensive things, kind of like what we talked about in the beginning, I'm the firm believe I'm a firm believer that if you make a lot of money or, or a sufficient amount, you should spend it on things you like. Like I get, I get people that say like, yo, that's not smart. It's a depreciating asset and this and that. Like, yeah. Could I have bought a, a, a duplex? Yeah. I could have bought a duplex instead of that car and increased my net worth. But that car gave me joy and it inspired yeah. me to, want to, to continue the- working harder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But again, different strokes for different folks. I'm sure oh. Warren Buffett gets inspired by seeing the freaking billions he has. And I would, anybody would, right? Everybody's, I think, a little bit different. Oh, you'd be shocked, dude. Some people, like, I've met them that just enjoy the fact that they're able to make a lot of money to be able to focus on work. That's it. That's yeah. it. I don't, yeah. I don't want, I love to. I'm, and I've always said, and I remember when I first started talking to my wife, or then girlfriend, I always told her that my biggest fear was to become a workaholic. Cause I'm, I, I love working so much, bro. I wake up at four in the morning. I could be here all day pre me starting dating her or when I wasn't dating, yo, I, I could be in the office till 10 o'clock. I would be here mad early. I'd be here mad late. I love to work. I love to be grinding, you know, especially creating what I'm creating. Now I got a wife, I got a kid. Like I love to go home. Right. So and now it's finding a balance on both. Now becoming efficient and stuff like that. I want my kids to enjoy the money that we have and my wife to enjoy it. You know, um, I don't want to die and there be like a hundred million in my bank account. What the hell is that going to be good for? It's going to be recycled again, other than give, obviously leaving it to my kids and stuff like that. Um, but I'm a firm believer that you should, you know, buy whatever you like, buy stuff that that within your means, of course, right? Yeah, I don't like don't overdo it. Don't be stupid. There's a lot of people that you know they'll be making 30k a year, but they'll go buy themselves a bmw just to flex to their friends that they can't afford same uh, thing within uh, our industry uh, there's some people that will make half a million and be like you know what i could pay 5k a month for a lamborghini no you can't buddy like <laughs> that's danger zone you know um 
it, it, there's a balance. Yeah, and plus when you run it, when you run a business, man, like, like <laughs> I was actually talking, I was talking to a friend of mine recently. I was like, dude, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life, but I'm also seeing none of it. Because by the time it goes to the business and to my employees, my team, operating expenses, all that shenanigans, I end up with like, what, nothing, you know? Like, I mean, not nothing, but compared to what I'm making, is like, oh crap, like a lot of it is gone, you know? And so it, it's like- That's a dangerous thing, bro, because that actually almost happened to me where I was making a lot of, astronomically more, but for whatever reason, I had this urge that I wanted to hire more people. So I was hiring a lot of people. I'm like, we don't need all these people. We sat down at one time because I was- <laughs> Yo, like we really don't need all these people. So I just started cutting off a lot of costs because a lot of times that happens that you're making a lot of money. So you're like, oh, I can incur this expense. Oh, I can add more. But is that adding you an X amount more at the bottom line, right? Like, is that adding you more on your top end revenue, which is what you need? Like a, a, a significant amount. If not, it's just added stress, you know? And that happens a lot. Overspending from a business perspective Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, look again, I, I love, I love, how, I love, I love your saying where it's like for every person, it's their own story. I think more people need to be talking about that. Like there's so much BS on social media about these entrepreneurs are like, Hey, don't overspend. Don't do this. Invest into real estate. Do this, do do do. As if like, that's the only way to succeed yeah. when it's like, Oh, hold up, bro. Like first off, why on earth are you grinding 12 to 14 hours a day? If the moment you make money, you decide, I'm not going to use it. What's the point? Just go get a nine to five job then, dude. I mean, unless you're like a nerd and you don't even care about money. Because by the way, just FYI, people like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, those guys didn't even care about the cash. Those guys are so in their head about the creation they're making that to them, it was like, oh, I'm okay. Like you can even see interviews of Bill Gates. They, they asked him things like, did you ever know you would make billions? And he said, no, I just really liked uh, software and it was very valuable and that's it. So like these guys don't do it for the dough. I feel like, I feel like social media has created a huge incorrect perception of why people do things. Like, why do you become an influencer? Why do you become an athlete? Why do you become an entrepreneur? Why do you run a business? People are, are, are so caught up with the, the flash, the, the shiny object syndrome when that's not the reality of things, bro. And at the end of the day, I feel like, look, as long as you're responsible, as long as you're moral, as long as you got faith, as long as you're a good person and you're using the money you're making for good, hell yeah, go out there and, and, and have some fun. What oh, the heck? For it. You know, like it, it's your money. Yeah. What the, like the other day I posted a, I think it was like a, on my TikTok. TikTok, bro, which is like a bunch of 15 year olds, right? Dude, but, I love TikTok. I love TikTok, by the way. My TikTok's blowing up, bro. I love so it. So much opportunity, dude. <laughs> but uh, I posted a video, I think of, it wasn't even, it was my brother's, uh, my brother bought a Range Rover. So I posted a video of it. It had like a cool feature that I wanted to like show off, right? I uh, got a lot of views and most of the comments were like, all right, depreciating. Bunch of 15 year olds, right? Depreciating asset, depreciating asset. You don't know what you're doing. Like, what are you going to teach me about depreciating assets? These are 15 year olds, right? A lot of people on social media are very, very entitled and think, or they want to impose their beliefs onto you. You know, which it's like probably those beliefs. Depreciating asset. I can hedge that risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. If you can hedge the risk, well, go buy yourself a 50k watch. Yeah, right? but don't be stupid. Like, don't don't be don't be like that. Like, like for example, six nine. Uh, I'm gonna throw that name out there. Like, don't don't be don't be that. Like, don't be. 
uh, and I'm not like I, I don't believe in anything he does at all. Um, but th- basically, what I'm trying to say is, is is have limits. Yeah. Have limits. No matter how rich you get, have limits. 100%. Like I, I have I have a rule. I have a rule in my head. Right. A rule is if I can't make the money back in a couple weeks to a month, I'm not buying it. Yeah. I mean that's a good. Rule. That's just my rule. My rule. Maybe your rule is completely different. Your rule could be something different. And it doesn't matter. The point is, I'm trying to say here is. It's a creative field, right? The idea is go out there, crush it, do what you got to do to save up and, and invest and obviously be smart. Don't be stupid, right? But also like, come on, don't get to a point where you're jailing yourself. Like it's not going to feel right. I mean, I remember when I first started this business, bro, I actually had a friend of mine who allowed me to, you know, use his Lamborghini for a couple of days. Just, you know, I was just, you know, I'm a car guy. Most guys are. And I was really, I wanted to try it out. And I remember so, I will never ever forget this moment, man. I woke up on a Sunday morning. I look outside on my driveway and it's just parked there. And then I had that thought in my head. I'm like, man, imagine that this is, this is, this is me. Like, it's actually like, I didn't, I want, I've always wanted a McLaren. I didn't really care about, but just the thought of having a nice car like that. And I was thinking to myself, dude, it's going to motivate the, like, like if, what's funny is a couple of days after using the Lambo, I kind of got used to it already. Like I was like, oh, okay, this is close cool. to another car. Right. But the concept of the fact that I was like driving a Lambo and I'm able to have fun and I wasn't doing it to show off. I'm a car guy. I'm a car enthusiast. So I love the feeling of horsepower on a, on a vehicle that to me inspired me to go to, to go to the office on a freaking, I literally woke up on that Sunday. I took the car and I went to the office and I was like, yeah. And a hundred as a car guy, the funny thing is that it was to the point that I would hop in any car that I have. I would just hop into it and drive. Not speed. Like, I would just be driving. Sometimes yeah. even without music and just thinking. Like, I love being in a car, especially like a sports car. I loved it, right? And, and like you said. Do you said, ride? Ride no. motorcycles. No. No. Not I've for you? I don't know why. I feel like I'm going to kill myself. Because like, <laughs> when I was young, bro, I was like such, like, I was so like, I got an adrenaline junkie. I feel like I would start speeding, do something stupid. I would end up killing myself. Not worth it. I can tell, man. I can tell. Like, you're still, you're still there. You're kind of getting better, I think, because of your kid. But uh, 100%. No, that does settle you down a little bit. But it does. I'm still, like, very, like, like jumpy. Like, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the mornings, it was great. You know, I'd go to my garage. And, Damn, this is nice. Let's go to work. Right? Like, that, that, that was my mentality. And then that right to work enjoyable as hell right that to me like i like that i'm not gonna work just to have a bunch of zeros in my bank account sitting there collecting dust or in the stock market or whatever like yeah you should still invest i I, uh advertise that all the time on my on my channels invest do all that stuff buy real estate that's all smart multiply your wealth right but i like to leave some for myself too you know for the moment for now or even worse, like, why would I want to, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, start multiplying your wealth. Yeah. Could I have bought a crap load of apartments from all the cars that I've bought at this point? Probably. But what these people want is for you to, you know, leverage all this debt. And then hopefully when you're 50, you're this multimillionaire on cash. flow. What the F am I going to be buying a McLaren at 55 for? Bro? Dude, well, by the way, another thing too, it's a lot doper to own a McLaren at 25 than at 50. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I liked being young, young as driving young, up a yeah. go to Miami, pick up, you know, my girlfriend. And that was fun. Like, I like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell am I going to do at 55 with, like, grandkids at this point? You know? So, yeah, I like I – mean, It's, it's, it's why do you – why did you get in the game? Like, for I me, just, the on- 
Sorry, one more thing just before I forget. The reality is, bro, we have zero control about anything. Look at COVID, right? Shut everyone yeah. on a personal note. Yo, one of my close aunts, like very close aunts, just passed away like a week ago. I'm she sorry was, about that. Rest in peace. It's all right, bro. Uh, she was 48, right? Pretty Man, oh, no. She passed away in her sleep. And I went to her house, and it was like, the most chilling thing. Because, like, she didn't <laughs> so it was natural? Her, so she, yeah, she, it, was, it was her heart rupture. But there was no signs. She, she didn't have – she wasn't taking, like, blood pressure – she didn't have heart problems. Heart, heart problems doesn't run in our family. Uh, they're suspecting other things, but whatever. I go, we went to her house and she left everything out. Like she had her lunchbox because she had just come from work. She like, everything was left as if she was going to wake up the next day. And, you know, we live our lives thinking, you know, I'm already thinking in my head, right? You know, like I told you, Saturday, I have a launch for Jake Black. I have to do this by next week. I'm working on this other company that's going to come. Like I'm working on all these things. Yeah. And, and you never know. Yeah. Bro, I could hop into my car today and God mm. forbid something horrible happened and I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like we don't control anything at this point. This lady thought she was really going to go into work tomorrow and the next day and the next day and see her daughter. You know, we don't know that. I'm not going yeah, like, to hopefully get to enjoy my wealth then. You know what I mean? No, I respect that, man. And and it's crazy because I actually had a very close friend to like a family friend who I who I saw as a second father. Uh, dude, this guy, when he walked into the room, was like smile on the face. He was laughing all the time, super loud, energetic. Like literally, his energy would like take you from like if you were super depressed to like the happiest guy just by talking to him. And man, I, I saw him one week, man, and he's just sitting there. He's telling me about it. He's oh, he was like in his fifties. He was telling me about like, oh, I'm gonna do this with his business. He runs an oil business. I'm do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, he's planning, 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 growth, growth, growth. He went to Vegas. He opened a manufacturer. He's like, he's scaling fast. All this stuff. Week later, bro. One week later, gets a uh, sign of some sort of vertigo. Starts feeling dizzy. Ends up in the hospital, and doesn't and doesn't ever leave. What do you get? If you don't mind me asking. No, it, it was just a sign. Yeah, no, I don't mind. It was it was a sign of just I, it, his vertigo got to a point for some reason. Just all of a sudden, it, it's it, it, it increased like stupid fast, like in like 24 hours. He started feeling dizzy one night, and then like the next night, he's like, "Yo, I gotta go to the the hospital. Take me to the hospital." He goes to the hospital. They inject him with some fluids. He's feeling good. He's about to check himself out. Right. His son tells him, "Hey, I'm gonna go to use the bathroom." He's like, "Okay, go ahead, go do your thing." By the time his son leaves and comes back, his father was dead. Dude, he, he all of a sudden, out of nowhere, got a vertical spell that basically put him so low to a point that his heart stopped beating and he passed away. Yeah. This guy had nothing, like, literally, when I tell you, like, yeah, just, you don't know. You don't know. We control nothing. You really don't know. And I think, I love that we're saying, we're talking about this right now because it goes deep for me when it comes to this topic. I think people lack faith. I think people lack a religious connection with a higher power. That's why depression rates are so high. That's why people want to be in control so much because, and our ego gets in the way. Like, how can I not be in control of this? No, I have to, you know, like I see all these big entrepreneurs who are spending billions into research that's trying to extend our lives and, 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 and take our consciousness and put it into, I'm like, guys, you're not God. Stop playing that. Like, like what a waste of money. What a waste of dollars. A hundred percent. You know, it, it, again, to each their own. Obviously I, I have, yeah. like I've said, faith and, and all that stuff. And 
uh, it gives you peace of mind and, and a little, uh, it's humbling, you know, it's humbling, it gives you peace of mind knowing there is a higher power um, that controls everything. And, and, and um, that at the end of the day, that if he wishes to do so, you're gone, you know, if he wishes to do so, he could, you know, take my whole company out of my, my under, under like my feet. Seconds. Seconds. The whole thing. Uh, I've seen it, you know. Um, so, but again, you know, we're not going into something religious here. Everybody, everybody has their own points of views. I choose to, I think that this is the correct path, right? And you think that as well. No, look, I, I respect, I respect everyone's opinion. I just think people need to understand this. It's an important topic to talk about. Like this is, this is, it's real. Like this is the realest part about your life. Mm -hmm. Everything else we're chasing is not real. It's temporary. It could be taken away within seconds. Temporary, just to, to make this life here a little more enjoyable. Yeah, you believe you believe in an afterlife? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What what are your what are your what are your thoughts on just overall how how everything how the world's turning into right now with just the, the riots, how just everything around you, how how do you how do you feel about all that? Uh man, it's we could be here hours talking about this and you, you want to make sure you cover everything, right? Because you anybody can get offended at this point. Either side. Um I do think a lot of times I'm a, I'm a person of color, right? I, I don't know if you can tell this lighting, but I'm dark as hell. Like I'm a dark dude, right? What? You're dark. I, I wish the lighting's helping me out here, bro, but I'm a dark dude. Adam. So in my country, I'm, I'm from Honduras. Something that I've said to everybody is there's racism everywhere, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not going to end this millennia old tradition. It's not just blacks that have been oppressed. Jews have been oppressed for thousands of years, right? Jews were genocide. I mean, every, every country has racism, right? Like Indians, they see lighter Indians prettier than darker Indians. I'm talking, I'm talking about India, right? Um, in my country, Honduras, which is in Central America, same thing. There's these darker colored individuals, almost like me, if not a little darker than me, that are ostracized. Like they're looked down upon in society. You don't want to be them. They call them, they, their nickname is Garifonas um in our country those are the dark colored people that again they're like right lower lower level the beautiful thing about america is that it's a capitalist economy the beautiful thing about capitalism is that it doesn't it doesn't uh discriminate it doesn't care if you're short it doesn't care if you're tall it doesn't care if you're black it doesn't care if you're white if you're purple what it cares about is the value that you provide what a capitalist economy rewards you in direct proportion to the, to, to the perceived value that you provide, right? So if there's a problem and I give you a good enough solution, the money's gonna come, right? The success is gonna come. Here's my personal opinion in which a lot of colored people don't like this when I say this, but I feel like as a person of color, I've experienced racism, right? Beaner, wetback, grass cutter, go back to your country, the whole nine, right? None of that has stopped. All those people that have said that, not to sound egotistical, but are nowhere near my network or, or everything that I've built, right? And these are white individuals with white privilege and had a whole head start on me, right? Shoot, I didn't even know how to speak English when I, when I first started kindergarten, by the way, right? So I had, to, I had to learn your own language, by the way. That's the beautiful part about capitalism and our American, econ and our American system. Um, the great thing is that anybody, anybody can make it and 
if you have Obama that sat in office, you have our Surgeon General, general who's a black man, 200, I, I believe 215 people on the billionaires list are colored, either Indians or uh, Latinos or blacks, and total it's about 215. The reality is that the best, in my opinion, the best way to beat racism, right? And I'm a stupid 25 year old, what the hell do I know, right? But my opinion is, is to go out and get it. This world was not made for white people because a lot of, a lot of color people are like, oh my God, this world's made for white people. They have the head start. That to me is, 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 is throwing the blame. This world is made for people to go out and get it, right? So you want to defeat racism, right? You go out and get it. You become the chief of police. You become the cop. You become the politician. You become the president. You become the next businessman. So if there are racists, you know how, you know how, how bad it must suck if you're a KKK and you have Obama as president? Talk about getting back at them. That's beating them in their own game, right? Like you're taking control. You know how bad as a racist it would suck if a huge percentage of business owners were colored? Because now you got to work for me. You see, yeah. how that, you see how that changed the scales? I think it's a mentality shift. And it's not just black people. It's Because it, my, my, my population is the same way. Latinos, we like to blame everybody, right? Oh, it's the white man's fault. It's not the white man's fault. I, I came, bro, I was, I was raised in one of the, like, the worst areas of Palm Beach. It's called Rivera Beach. Uh, you're not from this area. This is in Florida. Very low class. Like, if I show you the apartments that I, that I grew up in, like, we're talking the hood. This is the ghetto right? It doesn't matter where you come from. It does not matter. That's the beautiful thing about capitalism. It does not care if you're black, if you're brown, if you're Hindu. You know what I mean? No, I uh, get it. Yeah. So I think in, in today, and, and the thing is that right now I was watching this video and, it, and it's so true. It's not about logic and reason, right? First of all, and, and let me preface everything that I just said, what happened to the man was murder. George Floyd, that was murder, straight up. That man deserves to be in jail, the, the cops, 100%. Uh, but right now, when you're hurt so much, right? Like emotion is the complete opposite of logic. When you're, when you're going through emotional trauma, you're not gonna be thinking logically, like what I'm talking, like you and I are talking about, right? Like we are disconnected from the situation because we're not technically emotionally affected, right? Because we're not black, we're colored but we're not black. Um, so right now, it's to, you have to understand them, right? Understand the African-American community and understand where they're coming from and why they're so enraged. You know what I mean? And what I liked, like, every time, because I have black friends, black employees, and all the time, we talk about this all the time. I'm like, yo, what I would tell you is kill it. Like, yo, go out and get it. You know what I mean? Like, you got a problem with your mayor, you become the mayor. You know, it, it is possible, you know, uh, but they don't want to hear logic right now. They want justice, which is 100% understood, you know, and as for the people looting and rioting, which I, I haven't seen a lot of that lately. I think that chilled out, right? I don't know if it's still going on. A lot of it was agenda driven. Yes. Um, yeah. Those people looting and rioting. Even those let's, aren't protests. the conspiracies, right? Because let's, I, yeah. I like to look into that stuff too, but let's assume that it, it was, there is no conspiracy, right? Let's say there is no conspiracy and, and, it, and it was, I just think that 
at the end of the day, whoever does that is, is, is just taking away from the movement, the peaceful movement that's actually ch making a change, you know? Because um, you, you could see it in videos. And, and the worst part is that a lot of times it was white people. That's what or, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There, yeah. there were blacks in there, but it, it was a mixture of everybody. And at the end of the day, it was just bad people taking advantage of a situation, right? I love that. That right there is what I've been trying to tell the world. Bad people exist. It, stop connecting them to a freaking religion or a race or a color. Everywhere, bro. Everywhere. Like, you know, like but there's yeah. also right. Like, um, even in business, there's bad. There's scammers out there. Scammers that that'll sell you an MLM and tell you it's the greatest thing in the world, right? So there's bad people anywhere, everywhere, and and, and that's what that that's what that is. And I just think it's. It sucks because it takes away from the situation or from the from the movement. Because all you're doing when you do that, if you're a colored person, you're just you're just giving them what they want, right? Because what does racist people think about colored people, like us Latinos or Hispanics or I'm sorry or blacks, hoodlums, good for nothing, bottom feeders, violent. So if you go and and rob the Gucci store, right, you're just feeding into their narrative. You just gave them what they wanted. You proved them right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I love seeing videos because on TikTok, you see a lot of videos and like Instagram, like where you see like black men and colored men, like, yo, what are you doing? Like they stop a lot of the looters. Have you seen those videos yet? Yes, yes, I've seen them. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, like that's awesome. Like that's what it's it is. It's a lack of education, man. It's a lack of education. It's, uh, um, it is. I mean, I mean, I've had black friends growing up and they're probably the dopest all my all all my colored friends are probably the coolest people I've met. Yeah. Latinos, most hardworking individuals I've met to date. Uh, you know, black people, super chill and understanding. Yeah. I actually don't have a big group of white friends to be honest, and that's not just that's not because I'm against it. I just I don't know. I just feel like I never really got along. What's up? Uh, where are you located right now? in uh, OC, Orange County. So it's LA. But, oh, but LA is filled with colored people, right? Like, like Hispanics. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm Middle Eastern Syrian. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot of what, dude, I live in a white neighborhood. I okay. just, for some reason, don't get along. And I feel like because it had like everyone but white people have culture. Like, I mean, the white culture, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it, but like the white culture, the way I look at it is, and again, again, I love all people. I just want to make that really clear to everybody that's listening. Everybody to me is equal, period. I'm just saying naturally in my life, when I grew up, I tended to not get close to anyone that was American unless they had like a background that was like, you know, from the Middle East or from Mexico or from African or African Americans. And I just, I don't know. I feel like because of, the things that the, the things we go through were very much more welcoming towards humanity in a sense. And I love that you said though, be the change. I think that right there is a huge life lesson. Um, there's a great quote that says it's easier to change yourself than to change others. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, I remember when, when all this was going on, that's the first quote that for whatever reason hit my head. And I was like, like to me, that's the solution. Like Obama being in office 
whether you're a Democrat, Republican, I don't care what you are. The reality is that him being in office is a historic event, right? You had a colored man in office. What does that mean? He sat in the highest chair possible, highest position possible, not only in the U.S. and the world, because the U.S. is a superpower. That means that every other chair underneath is up for grabs for any colored person. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I saw. Forget liberal, rep I don't care, right? The fact that he broke that ceiling lets you know, as a colored person, any chair underneath or that chair itself is up for grabs, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that is, that is the best way to change it. That is the best way to kind of give him a slap in the face if they're racist. Um, as for culture, bro, I just think everybody, like I told you, I don't, like I've had, I've experienced, here's the reality of it. I've experienced racism from every culture. I, so this is, this is what happened to me growing up. So while I was in the hood, my, my parents wanted to give us the best education possible. What they did was, funny at the time, I used to drive 45 minutes to get to school in the morning. My mom was dropping me out and I was outside my zone. So what she did is one of the houses that she used to clean, because she used to clean houses, she was very friendly to us, like a family friend. And mm -hmm. her, you know, this is a really good area for schooling. Uh, and it was, it was upper middle class, you know, everybody's white there. So on our, on our, on our like reports, we would put that we lived there. And that's how we got schooled into A schools or we, we were zoned for A schools. So me growing up, I was around 80% white people, 20% black, and maybe like 2.2% Hispanic. There was barely any Hispanics. It was majority white and then black for some reason. So I was a lot, a lot of people that I knew during growing up were white. And, I, and again, like I personally, I've experienced racism from both sides. Yeah. Racism from blacks, like blacks, you know, like you're a wetback, yada, 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 racism from, from whites. And it goes both ways. Latinos are racist as well, right? Everybody has their prejudices. I don't think you should let somebody else's prejudices hold you back. You know what I mean? It's like a, a prejudice is like a judgment, right? Are you going to let me tell you that you're a loser? No. What are you going to do? You're going to kill it, right? Now you just slap me in the face. It's no different than me telling you, like, what's a racist thing to say to a, a Middle Eastern person? Um, terrorist. I hear that. Right. <laughs> if I call you a terrorist, which is, right, would you, are you going to let me stop you from killing it in your business no you'll prove no. me wrong right well i then, mean I, i'm and then, i'm and then I'm you're gonna very comfortable and i mean this is for me personally i'm very comfortable in my skin and so maybe that's yeah. that's where we need to be more me i need to be more understanding there i don't care what people say i just yeah don't. i don't either i don't like i actually i actually feel for you man like if you call me a terrorist i'm like bro like, why would you even take the time out of your day to say that? Like, you know, so as a, and again, I'm not a black person, but I think the worst thing I've ever been called and never in person, because I, I would lose my temper. I, I do have bad temper, but um, the worst thing I've been called and it was online. It was a spick. You know what a spick is? It's like a, like a beaner. Like it's, it's like a, a very, hmm. it's like the N word, but for Latinos, it's a very, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it literally brushed off. Of me. Like it just, you know, um, and, and that's kind of how I see it with, 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 with black people as well. Like if somebody, I mean, calls you the N word or whatever it is, bro. Like, it's like you said, I feel bad for you. Yeah. No, no. And then like when, when you keep killing it and, and just keep growing and whatever you're doing, whatever passion you want to pursue, doctor, lawyer, whatever it is, right. Engineer. 
that's a slap to their face. Bro, most of the races that I grew up with in my school are like bottom of the barrel. We're talking construction workers. They stayed in their hometown. They're flipping burgers. Like that's who those people are. Don't be I was talking to an African-American friend of mine last week and I told them, yo, and I, I got to be very sensitive with what I say here because none of us are from the community, but I asked them like, what is it that's going on in your culture that causes this to happen? And he told me, he's like, dude, the problem is that like causes this whole low bottom gangsta type of life for hmm. somebody to go and not get educated and not going out and killing it and not, why is that a thing in your community? Mm-hmm. Um, like black people, at least what they're stereotypically known for. Um, but keep going. Yeah, he, he said he said that unfortunately people tend to give up on the idea of ever getting out of it and take it on as like an identity. Like, yeah, I'm a hood gangster. Like, I'm, I am this. Like, and he's, by the way, he grew up in a hood. Like, this guy, like, I'm telling you, like, this guy is, like, the, he's from that area. And, and that's what he told me. He's like, man, it becomes, like, an identity. Like, yes, this is me. And we start to believe it. And it's all we want to do. And I'm like, it's a lack of education. It's, it's unfortunate. And it's just, this is where I think social media comes in really well. It gives people voices and it gives people the, the, the ability to research and, 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 and figure their own truth out. That's a very good point. It's almost like what he's saying is that all these terms and ideas and ideal and even rap music, I would blame for this because rap people idolize that lifestyle. Kind of what he's saying is it, it puts them into shackles at a very young age, right? Like mental yeah. shackles, which, yeah. which makes a lot of sense, to be honest. I'd, I'd never have thought about it that way. Like if you look at your surroundings when you're growing up as that person, your friends, your friends are getting shot. Your, your, your other friends, a drug dealer, this guy. And the only way you'll get out of the hood is if you become like a successful rapper or an artist or, or like, there's no such thing as like, go out there, get an education, get a doctorate, get a, go get, open a business. Like they're not taught that. And it's, it's two things. It's not that it's that they're not taught that. And it's also that it's difficult, right? Is it easier? And this is not for everybody, but is it easier to, drop out of school and pursue whatever of those things that you just said, like, you know, shooting or whatever, or or drug dealer, whatever it is, or go through 12 years of medical school, right? Like everybody knows about medical school. Let's be real. Everybody knows you should go to college to get an engineer degree or this or that or this, right? Do you want to delay your gratification that long? Or do you just want to make a quick hundred thousand bucks right now? The instant gratification plays a role in, in, in a lot of aspects of life. I, one of my theories are, because I've thought about that myself, because the Latino community resembles the Hispanic community in a lot, a lot of things, right? Hoodlums, they're, they're like- so You mean the African-American and the Hispanic, right? Hispanic. Yeah, is that what I said? Oh, no. You said Latino and Hispanic. <laughs> oh, good. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah. Um, my theory, being from a Hispanic community, right? We're known as like drunks, especially- I'm not Mexican, by the way, but like everybody thinks that anybody under America is Mexican. <laughs> it's racist too, but everybody thinks that. Um, everybody that's Hispanic is that they're drunks, they're lazy, all this stuff, right? One of the things that I've noticed, especially in the Hispanic community, is that men have this tendency of like leaving babies everywhere. Like they'll, they'll impregnate five different women, baby daddies or, or baby moms, right? Black people are the same way. I think having a family structure 
at, at the root cause is very important. Thankfully, I, w- I was raised with a mom and a dad. It gives mm. me aspects, right? It gives me the caring side and it gives me the leadership side. Like my dad was a better version of his dad because his dad was like a drunk, like he was a lot of bad things. My dad was a way better version of that. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be an even better version of that for my daughter, right? I think that whole just leaving women pregnant everywhere and then leaving those kids to go, grow up by themselves plays a massive role, I think, as well. And this is just, again, my theory because I see it in both. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then because I, I was thinking about it, like, why is it that – here's the reality of it. And I know this because my, my wife goes to uh, – she was uh, – She's like a scholar, right? So she's, she's a scientist right now. She's, she's studying to be a doctor. Um, and she, when I first met her, she was at Harvard at the time. And uh, we got into this, this debate, like, is it right that these schools have quotas to me? In other words, if you are a Latino or a black person that has a 3.7, you're going to make the cut over the white person that might have a 4.1. Because, because they, they want to have a racial mixture to it, yeah. Correct. Uh, we're not going to get into the, the ethics of that, if that's correct, whatever. The point is that that as a Latino is like giving me training wheels, almost. That's how I see it. It's almost like you're making, you're lowering the bar just a little bit so I can hop over it because I can't play with the big kids. That should be a positive for our community, right? Like that should be making things easier. Why is it that we have, like that, there's a lot of programs like that for colored people. How is that not helping us more? And why is it that you have, for example, Hindus or Indian people that are super poor? Like if you see how they live in Mumbai, they live like bottom of the barrel, right? They live horribly. Yet they don't have the same stigma that Latinos and black people have. Instead, they, the stigma that they have is that they're geniuses and they take up all the slots. It's, yeah. a, it's like, right? And Hindu, Hindu people come here and they start the business or they become doctors or they, be, or they take all the tech jobs. Hindus are taken. The CEO of Google is, is Indian. Yeah. Why is it? Yet they're colored. They, they, they receive a lot of racism against their color right? Because Indians are darker than me. They're very dark. They were low income. That's, that's where their, their culture from is very low income. How is it that they can come here and, and within one to two generations already be succeeding? You know what I mean? I've always so thought- you, th- you, you think know, it's a family I'm structure. I'm really just talking out loud here. Yeah, I, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And why is it that us Hispanics have been here- I don't know how many generations we've been here for. Uh, I want to say since, since the 50s, let's say. So maybe like 70 years. Yet we can't do that as, the, or, or, or blacks that have been freed, right? Systematically for, when was the Reform Act passed? Like 1954? So about so, 70, yeah. 70 years. They've had about one to two generations to be able to like progress, right? Like, have you ever thought like, why is it that, well, groups can, 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 can thrive like that, even though they're colored and receive racism as well. I think there's not a simple answer for this. I, I've thought about this so much because I actually got pulled out of 
school to get homeschooled because of this. Uh, it was during 9-11. I was like in third grade or so. And I remember I was praying. I'm Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. I was praying outside of my class. And a classmate of mine comes and starts to beat me in the middle of my prayer. Dude, I was literally on the floor praying. And this guy comes and starts kicking me in the, in the, in, on my stomach and my torso. And my mom pulled me out of school. She was like, yo, you're going to get homeschooled. And I got homeschooled all the way from third grade to college. And so I like what you said about the family aspect of things, because I, I, I definitely see that with me. I definitely see that as like a big, 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 big reason. I also think another thing, it's, it's, it's more so structure around not just family, but culture and religion. Uh, that African-American friend of mine that I was telling you about, he got out of that, all that stuff because of his religion. He's Muslim too. And uh, he actually tells me, he's like, dude, Unfortunately, the African American community doesn't know better. I grew up in a Muslim commu- in a family, Muslim family, and I was told that there's a God, and I was told that there is a consequences for your actions, and that there is these certain things that you need to do. And so I know better. I know not to do those things because it's not right. It's not fair. Um, I think also another thing too is who who's in power, who's in control, which is why I like what you said. Go out there and go get it. Who's in control? Who's in power? And not just that, is are the people in power, which unfortunately I don't think will ever get fixed. By the way, I don't think this situation for the rest of eternity will ever get fixed. Um, we, we, might, we might have a moment in time where things will be peaceful for a temporary time, but there will always be that one guy who, would want, who wants more power and is driven by a, uh, some black magic energy that just wants him to like just take over the world. And in, one guy alone can cause massive destruction. Um, and it's also, man, like realizing that this generation's already screwed. Like, if you want to make a change, we got to set it up for the future. Like we got to set up things in place right now so that when our kids grow up, they grow up in a system that's teaching these things that advocates towards what's wrong, that pushes what's right, that gives the resources. I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, man, but really, I think it comes down to, Unfortunately, the world got corrupted the moment people started to try to gain more power than they deserve. And that's it. When someone thinks that he or she alone deserves, like it's funny because I actually was talking to uh, Larry King about this when I met him. He told me, he's like, I love interviewing presidents. And I asked him, why? Why is that? And he said, he said, uh, he said, because how egotistical do you have to be for you to believe that you are the right man to run a freaking country? Like, like that's a job that you don't just like, Oh, I am the right man and the only one. Yeah. And so that's really, I mean, if we were to choose one thing in my honest opinion, what it comes down to people's egos and people's want for power and money that they start to, they start to think of like, think, think of different things. Like I'm always being curious. I'm always curious to, I wonder how like billionaires or people in power think of death. Like when it comes to like doing something, right? Like, let's say I'm sure there was a conversation where like COVID, like forget, like if we're talking conspiracy here, but where like, like they're saying Bill Gates is involved in all of this, but I'm pretty sure that these people believe that, they're creating a better future 
and the casualties in the millions is just part of the job. Like that's just like one example. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? And so it goes way deeper than just, yo, like what's going on in the family? You're like, but now how do we solve it? If we were to try to solve it, I think we live in a beautiful digital age where social media and you can, you can speak upon your opinion and you can vocalize what you want. And I think that's why that the Black Lives Matter movement is so massive because of, because of the connectivity we have around the world. Technology now allows us to to be the change. And and you said it more than more than anyone else. Like, go out there and at least try your best because it's your job. You have to. Like, you're here for a reason. Well, hey man, this uh this has been fun. I can keep going on and on with you for like hours, but I. Yeah. So dude, Jose, where, where can people, I mean, I mean, you got a pretty big brand, but for people who don't know you, where can they check you out? Um, Instagram is probably like where I, I, I like update a lot. So if you guys want to like follow along, Instagram would probably be the best teaching men's fashion or you just Google Jose Zaniga and you'll find me. I like, or I'm sorry, search Jose Zaniga on Instagram. Um, YouTube, I post a lot, obviously. And uh, that, those are two like the big ones that I, that I do a lot. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, I, Huh? Yeah, definitely appreciate you for hopping on the show, bro. I completely covered everything. Dude, I could, I could, the thing is like, I, I, if, well, if you were here at the studio, we'd probably be rapping for three hours. Like, um, I love this. It's what I, it's, I, it's like, I, I can do this forever and ever. Conversation list. Just, <laughs> that's a Thank skill. You. That's a talent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So, hey, man, I, I definitely appreciate you for hopping on the show, bro. Thank you. Yo, thank you for having me, brother.